Good morning. Glad to have you all here. Um, I'm not going to make you stand up again, but I'm going to make you sing. Ready? This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Come on. Lord has made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Yeah, you know that song, right? Well, that's our psalm today. Um, just wanted to kind of get us our appetites wet for what it means to be a thankful people. Love that song. Now it'll be stuck in your heads for a couple weeks. You're welcome. Um, so this is a psalm of thanksgiving. We're doing Psalm 118, and we just sang verse 24. And the question is, is why must we rejoice? Why must we be a rejoicing people? Why must we be thankful? Now, it sure isn't always obvious why we ought to have this posture. For starters, I could ask you how your morning is going. Hopefully, it's going okay, but that's really not a reason for rejoicing. Did anyone wake up this morning? Now, there may be a couple people in here, but did anyone wake up this morning by yourself? You sprung out of bed and you thought, wow, today's a great day. I can't wait to get up and attack this day. Maybe some of you, and if that is you, please share with me what kind of coffee you drink because I need some of that. Um, But however you have woken up this morning, whether it's a particularly special day or not, or whether something big and important and exciting is happening today or not, our joy response to God has nothing, has nothing to do with whatever this day might have in store. And it has everything to do with the fact that God has made it and it is his And our reason for joy this day is not conditional. Its source is not from this world. So this psalm we're going to study today uh, in our series through the psalms. We've been summer in the psalms this summer as we did last summer. It's a really great opportunity to, to go through the scriptures hymnal. The original hymnal of the scriptures um, and so today is a, it's a fairly well-known psalm. Um, it is a particular psalm of thanksgiving, and it calls the people to worship and rejoice in the steadfast love of God, no matter what we've been through, whether it's a great military victory, which many scholars believe this psalm uh, had to do with uh, praising God after a military victory, or um, whether it's about victory or whether it's because... We're rejoicing because we got a great night's sleep and we're going to go spend the day on our boat on the lake today. All right, all those things are good, okay, and could be a source for joy. And if you have a boat and you would like to take our family out on the lake, we'd love to join you. Um, However, our source of joy is not conditional. It's not in this world because God is eternal and he is steadfast no matter what. We are actually called by this psalm, different kinds of people all throughout the world, to even in our sorrow and lament, if you remember a couple weeks ago, uh, I preached on Psalm 16, which is a psalm of lament. And the truth in preparing that psalm and the truth in preparing this psalm really are the same truths. And that is, no matter our situation, no matter our sorrow or our rejoicing, we ought to be people that give 
glory to the Lord in whatever season that we are in, in whatever situation we are in. So let me, uh, let me pray for us, and then we're going to read this psalm together and learn from it. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would uh, enlighten our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, would you, uh, would you do the work that only you can do, and that is, to, is, and that is to, to teach us and change us? I pray that this living word of God would fall on soft hearts this morning. Thank you for it. Thank you that we worship and we praise and we learn about a God who is living and active, intimately interested and involved in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so we're going to read this psalm together, and um, if you have a Bible, you can open up to Psalm 118, and keep your Bible out. If you have a pencil or pen, you can underline some things. Um, And uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, the blue pew Bibles in front of you will be on page 605. So out of the respect of the Word of God, I would ask you to stand if you are able, and I'm going to read this psalm for us. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. All in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. The songs, glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. You all may be seated. 
All right, so this is a large amount of text. This is a large psalm. So I really, really want to get out of this as kind of a, a, an overarching narrative of what this really is talking to us about. Okay, and our main idea this morning is on the screen behind me. It's that God's steadfast love endures forever in spite of all things. In spite of myself, I will worship because... God's steadfast love endures forever. So I will worship because God's steadfast love endures forever. So a breakdown, if you're jotting in the margins of your Bible or in in your notebook, um, verses 1 to 4 of this psalm is a beautiful call to worship, a calling the people to worship. Verses 5 through 13, we're going to look at some circumstances in the world that the psalmist is facing. This is the in spite of all things Part And then verses 14 through 21, we're going to look at the psalm a little bit more personally, um, so the in spite of myself piece. And then finally, we're going to look at our response being of worship and how Jesus makes that possible. We're going to look at some of the prophetic language here at the end of the psalm. All right, so the beginning of this psalm, verses 1 to 4, it's a call to worship. It establishes the truth of God's steadfast love, and this is the most crucial piece of this entire psalm. If we didn't land here and and, and camp out here for a little bit to understand what this type of love he is talking about, the psalmist is talking about, we kind of lose the importance of the rest of the psalm because this roots us. What is God's steadfast love all about? I mean, a lot of things. It's, we, could, we could speak for millennia about it. But as the Jesus Storybook Bible, any fans of the Jesus Storybook Bible out there? Great, 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 great resource. It says about God's love, the never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. But in order to look super smart and theological, um, I'll throw a Hebrew term at us this morning, and the term is chesed. That's the only time I'll do the ch, because um, I don't want to be distracting, but that's how it's pronounced, the chesed love of God. According to Paul Miller, who's a, an author we love, an author and pastor we love here, he wrote uh, a fabulous book called A Loving Life, which we went through as a church um, alongside of our Ruth series a few months ago. He says this really, really, uh, really important uh, aspect of hesed love. He says it combines two ideas. At the root of hesed love, it combines two ideas, love and commitment. This is love that regardless of how we respond, and this is love that regardless of how we feel, hesed love never quits. It never ceases. All right, so in the first four verses, I want to pull out four words. So if you're, if you're underlining in your Bible, underline these four words. Good. His love is good. His love is steadfast. His love endures. And his love is forever. Are we inherently good? No. I mean, sometimes we're good, Right? But God is the essence of good. He is really our standard for what is good. Are we steadfast? We, we have the potential of being steadfast, but often we waver and we wane. But God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is faithful. 
How are we at endurance? We get tired, don't we? Specifically walking with people, journeying with them, it's hard. But God's love, God's love endures. And finally, God's love is forever. You and I, even at our best, we might only be able to love somebody deeply for a few decades. Even, even those people that have been married like 60, 70 years, unbelievable, right? Praise God. But our human frame does not last forever. So we really only have the capacity to love for a certain amount of time on this side of eternity. But God's love is eternal and it's even defeated death. So, God, so the psalmist here calls us to this idea to give thanks for this hesed love that is for a forever, that is a forever promise. And he goes on to say, let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. Let the church of Terranova say, Good, you're with me. Awesome. Okay. So let us be called into this reality. Away from our temporal minds, away from our plans, our needs, our situations, God's love is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. So this is where we start. This is what we're called into. This is the reality that we're called into that we do not have to fabricate. God's love stands for us regardless of how your morning is going or what you have to do this afternoon or what a maybe great or not so great week you just had. All right, so let's talk about some of those things because those are important and in the Psalms, we, the psalmist talks about real life, talks about situations, talks about people, places, and things, okay? So in spite of all of those things, we are called to give thanks, So let's look at verses 5 through 13. Verse 5, the psalmist says this. It says, Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. Distress is a shared human condition, is it not? Now, this is a psalm that's traditionally sung after a Passover meal. So 113, 114, 115, 116 are used before the meal. Uh, And then then Psalm 117 and 118 are after the meal. So this is actually, 118 is the last psalm that is sung in a Passover meal. I think that's a beautiful thing. Because the Passover meal was a Jewish celebration of, of freedom. Freedom for the Israelites from their Lord, from their distress, from their slavery and bondage. Now we know if we... If we, uh, if we read the Old Testament and study it, we'll find that besides their slavery in Egypt, which is being uh, celebrated in the Passover, there's also all sorts of exiles and all sorts of battles and enslavement and oppression that these people are going through. But the psalmist is saying and urging the people to give thanks in spite of their status of enslavement or freedom because in both the Lord's Uh, Love never quits, but it endures. So in spite of our distress, whatever that might be, we call upon the Lord because his love endures. What about enemies? 
The Old Testament has a lot to say about the enemies of the Israelites. Verses 6 and 7, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. As I mentioned before, many scholars believe that this psalm uh, was written after a, a large military advance and victory. But we're reminded here that ultimately the battle belongs to the Lord. There's another song there, but I won't make you sing it. Um, uh, Other places in the Old Testament, actually lots of places, we are reminded by the Lord that victory ultimately is his. Second Chronicles 2015 says, uh, the Lord says to his people, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours. But God's. Joshua 1 9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. The Lord will be with you. So we will have enemies, but the Lord is the one who wins our battles. Now, speaking of battles, we need to talk about the powers of this world that are sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes oppressive. Certainly for the Israelites, they dealt with some oppressive um, leaders. Verses 8 through 13 talks about this. He he says in in verse 8, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Verse 9, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. They surrounded me on every side. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed so hard that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The nations and the armies of the nations were set against the people of God. Not once, not twice, many, many times, but God was and is always in control. His steadfast and eternal love was with his people. Rulers will conquer and oppress. Armies will take up sword and spear, yet the Lord fights for those who are his. So in spite of all things, the psalm teaches us through distress or enemies or enslavement or battles or powers of this world, God's love endures forever and we are called to be those that in spite of all these things, give thanks and live out of God's love for us. Now the psalm is speaking directly to the Israelites, but we know and understand and believe that the scripture by the power of the Holy Spirit is for all of us at any time, in any place, in any one. So, do we have enemies today? Yes. Do we have decisions to make? Bills? The bills? That's a stressor. Some of you got that. Um, Anyone encountered some sort of discomfort, uh, uh, discomfort recently? Do we have questions about the world and where to go and what to do? Things we can control, things that we cannot control. Illness, chronic pain. There are people in this world, if you are a Christ follower, that will persecute you in many ways for the way that you live your life and the fact that you live for Jesus. But in spite of all of these things, God's has said love does not cease. 
to be true and present. We are to always give thanks. Some of you know the, the Apostle Paul's, uh, what he says in, in Philippians four eleven through 12. He says this, I have learned in whatever circumstance I am to be content. I know how to be abased and how to abound in everything in hunger and lack. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And remember, this is, this is the way that this chesed love works, that no matter what, no matter how we receive it, no matter how we feel, God's love is always enduring and continues no matter what. And really, in the end, our main battle is not in the, the things of this world. Okay, but our, our battle, our main battle, and moving to our second point this morning, our main battle really is against sin, which exists in the world and in ourselves. So that's why I'm saying, in spite of all these things, and in spite of myself, I will give thanks. Sometimes the distress in our lives actually is because of our sinful proclivities, and it lives deep in our hearts, and sometimes nobody even knows the distress we're dealing with because it's in here, locked in our hard hearts. Sometimes our greatest enemy is our condemning and cutting self-talk. Some of you know the, the uh, this isn't even my notes, um, just thought of this. Now it's another song. Um, Andrew Peterson, wonderful uh, author and, 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 uh, and singer, songwriter. He says, how does it end when the, wor- when the, when the war in the end is just a- a- against you and you and you? You feel that sometimes? Sometimes the person you're battling is you and you and you. So in spite of myself, I'm called to praise and and worship the Lord. Verse 14, we're going to move down to verse 14. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. My salvation. Now that assumes that I need saving. But not ultimately from my enemies, not ultimately from the world powers or from evil world philosophy or backward or progressive world views or any of these things. I need saving from myself. And that is the glory of the gospel and what is taught to us by God through his relationship with the Israelites. Sin is ultimately what kills and separates us from God. And the chesed love of God is what reminds us that even in spite of our sin, even in spite of myself, God drew near to me and to us and was and is faithful. So let us give thanks. Psalm 107.2 says... Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. All right, who here today, in spite of their sin, has been saved and redeemed by the Lord? Amen. Right? So let us be a people that say so, that we make much of that reality. Verse 16 The right hand of the Lord exalts. 
Friends, in spite of who we are, okay, in spite of what we've accomplished, we need not lift ourselves up. Our salvation does not come from anything that we've accomplished, but what God through Jesus has accomplished for us. Some of us um, have beautiful seasons of advancement and of plenty and prosperity, and we're feeling pretty good about ourselves, pretty accomplished, but how often do those seasons just kind of come and go in our lives? We cannot boast in ourselves, but only in the Lord. And the psalmist reminds us that in verse 16, that he is the one that exalts us. In spite of my prosperity, it is the Lord that I lift up and worship. We see this in sport all the time. These amazing athletes who have this incredible year, they, they win a big trophy, and then the next year they're at the bottom of the league or they have a season-ending injury. Some of us remember 2008 when the stock market crashed, some of us lost our jobs. Some of, our, some of us have lived through um, past economic cr- crashes, security crashes, things like that. Our investments, savings, wiped clean. I'm not saying don't save your money. I'm saying let's be careful not to depend on that solely, right? It is not in our own selves, but not in our own exaltation that lasts, but it is the God of heaven who endures with us through all things and in spite of myself. He is the one that lifts up. He is the one that exalts. Okay, two of my favorite verses of all time. They're not on the screen, but you can write them down if you want. 1 Peter 5, 10 to 11. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. He is the one who exalts. He is the one who saves. He is the one who lifts up. In spite of myself, it is the Lord that does those things. And then Zephaniah three seventeen. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Another Andrew Peterson, he used this in one of his songs. He says, he says it this way, Be still, be still and know that the Father will hasten down from his throne He will rejoice over you with song. Great words. So let us not give thanks to our own success. Let us not trust our own advancements, but only in the Lord. All right. Moving down to 17 and 18. What about discipline? Who likes discipline? Anybody? Kids? You guys like discipline? No. Charlie's like, no. Adults hate it as much as you, okay? But you and I need discipline. If, in spite of ourselves, we are to praise God, we need to be sharpened. We need to be purified. We need to be exercised. We need discipline. Verses 17 and 18. I shall not die, but shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but has not given me over to death. Like a good father, 
the Hesed love of our God disciplines us in our wayward lives and our sins and our wanderings. He lovingly corrects us and he disciplines us. What good father does not discipline his children? Except fathers here, we don't always do it very well. Hebrews 12, 5-6, we're going to get to this in a few weeks. It says, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he, ch- whom he receives. So friends, even in the discomfort of discipline, we are reminded that God's love for us, and it can be a source of thanksgiving. Whether that comes from a word from the Holy Spirit, or a word from Scripture, or a word from a brother or sister speaking truth to us. Let us rejoice where we find those places that we need discipline and sharpening, because it draws us nearer to the need and the reality of God's hesed love for us. So in, in, in spite of all of these things, in spite of ourselves and who we are, we always have a reason to give thanks. And our last point today is we are called and led into worship. I will worship. It's not conditional. It's not because I feel like it or I feel good. It's an obedience to acknowledge who God is. So verses 22 through 29, I'm going to kind of read through these quickly, skim through these quickly. This is a lot, but this is really the essence of of our action steps at the end of this psalm. The stone, 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine on us. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Now, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, much of this psalm is, is prophetic, and that it is, it, is, it is talking about Jesus. It's talking about the Messiah and who he is and who he will be and who he is for us now today. And so we can see these lyrics of this song that was written, likely by King David, about who this deliverer will be, specifically the man Jesus Christ. So look at verse 22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus speaks this very verse in Matthew 21, 42. He is saying that I am the cornerstone. I am this stone that the builders have rejected and I have become the cornerstone. It is the piece that holds this entire building up, this building that is his body, the church. He is at the top He is in the middle. He is the crucial piece. That is why one of our main and most important core values here uh, at Terranova is that we are we are we are incarnational, we are Christocentric, and we are monastic and missional. Christocentric, if all other pieces flow back to that, we're gonna do it right if Jesus is the cornerstone of our church and our lives. 
So this is prophetically speaking to who Jesus would be and who he is. So we worship because he is our chief. He is our authority. He is in charge. And we worship also by crying out to Jesus for his salvation. He is the one that saves. Verses 25 and 6. Save us, we pray, O Lord. Or, Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Where do we find that story? The triumphal entry. This is, this is days before Jesus would be put on a cross and crucified. The people are yelling the very words of this Psalm 118. This is uh, right, right by the, the Passover feast. These people knew these words. That was, it, was like second, it was like second speech to them. They knew it exactly. They knew the verses. And Jesus was the one who was coming in, who was the Savior. Except it wasn't quite what the people had in mind. Jesus was coming to truly save us, to truly transform us, and truly give us new life. He showed us that the victory and the freedom from oppression, um, the freedom and the ultimate authority that he brings, that the Israelites were crying for and seeking for, was in him and was found in his life and work, in his death and his resurrection. And we can do all things and be eternally joyful and thankful because our freedom is eternal. Our lives are eternal and God's love is eternally present for you and I. Next, he brings salvation to you and I personally. So our worship doesn't need to be generic, but we ought to worship him relationally. We ought to worship him personally. 27, the Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. 28, you are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God and I will extol you. He has shined upon you and I, friends. He has chosen to give us his light, his life. Verse 28, you are my God, not just Israel's God, not just Terranova's God, my God. And Jesus came to show us that. Jesus is the light that the psalmist speaks of, literally and figuratively, that is shown into the darkness of this world. God sent Jesus to help us understand this, that his salvation is for you and I. The psalmist is speaking this to help us remember that you and I ought to worship a God who loves us individually and collectively. And ultimately, we are a people, when we worship this way, we are people that are different. We are marked differently because the chesed love that we understand of God changes us. It makes us people that would rejoice in situations that otherwise would be hopeless. It makes us into people who would rejoice in times that could be otherwise just completely dismal. In spite of all the things in this world, which there are lots, in spite of myself, in spite of my sin, in spite of my shortcomings, 
the Hesed love of God is for me, is for you, is for us. We are different people because of that. So let this be an encouragement to us today. Um, The band's going to come back up and we're going to continue worshiping. We have people here today that I know intimately that are struggling in difficult seasons. Um, Journeying through loneliness, painful marriages. There's not much, nothing more painful than an intimate relationship being broken. There are people who are just in chronic physical pain. There are people that are just despairing over the world and its lack. There are people who are in financial hardship. Hear me. This exhortation to this is the day, let us rejoice, woo, that doesn't mean, that does not mean that we need to have a plastic, fake, modern evangelical happiness. We don't need to be fake. But what it does mean is that in those circumstances, in those situations, would we be a people that remember the foundational truth that God's Hesed love is never ending? It never gives up. It is always and it is forever. And in that we have hope. In that we have joy that is not conditional. It's not fake, but it's real deep-rooted joy. It's a joy that you can have while tears are streaming down your face. So let us be different people that are marked by the Hesed love of God. Let us come and offer our thanks and let us be a people that say the goodness and the love of God, the steadfast love of God endures forever. So we're going to have a time of communion where we're going to, uh, we're going to worship through the understanding that in spite of all things, in spite of ourselves, we worship by taking from what God has poured out and given to us. We receive. We didn't, we didn't work for this. We didn't work for God's salvation. But he gives. And so we, we gladly and we gratefully take. Because without this, our, our stress is real and it's binding. Without this, our sin is, is condemning. And it's death. Without this, the, the, the enemies that we have and the stress that we have in this world and, and our sin actually does matter. It actually, it actually does kill us. But with this, with the gift of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection, he is saying, here's my love. Take it. It is for you. You did not earn this. You cannot achieve this on your own, but I freely give. I freely give. So, if you are a believer of Jesus today, I'm going to ask the communion team to come up. 
If you are a believer of Jesus today, come and take and eat. And be reminded that in spite of all things, in spite of yourself, worship and remember that God's steadfast love endures forever. Would you pray with me? Father, we, I know for myself, I often get frustrated at how often I need reminders and how often the times I'm at my worst down in the dumps in spite of anything that I've done you come and you remind me of the joy that is in Christ you are faithful you are loving You endure. You chase us down. So Lord, wherever uh, my brothers and sisters are today, I pray that you would meet us where we are and you would pull us closer to Jesus. You would pull us closer to your presence and our need for you. Lord, let this be a time of, of intimate connection and reminder of the personal and relational yet communal connection that you desire to have with your people. So as we take this bread, as we feel it in our hands, as we dip it in the wine and we feel that on our lips, that, that, that your presence would be that palpable, that your presence would be that real for us and we would be so aware of your love and your intimate relationship with us. That's work that only you can do. So, Holy Spirit, would you bless this time? Would you bring us nearer to you? We pray. Uh, Amen. Bernadette, lead us.